I had to have a certain group of people that will come to my practice and they spent so much money everywhere else that they get mad that I'm not just giving it for free, too. Oh, that's such a great point. They shelled all this money. You know, on alternative out, therapies. On, on alternative or conventional therapies, both. Yeah. But then they're like, well, I can't afford to pay anymore, but they want me to get them better. And I don't know how to make that happen with, I have to pay for my time and my family and my overhead with the office and staff and everything. Which I think is so interesting because traditional doctors never have to sit in an appointment or feel like they have to justify their services in existence. Right. But you do. Yeah. Even though a lot of times if you have to give a surgery or any big procedure, you usually have a pretty hefty deductible or copay. listening to Take On Healthcare with Ted Suzellis and Mary Sheehan. Ted is a naturopathic doctor who has been helping people in Northeast Ohio for over 20 years to live a happier and healthier life through natural healthcare, including dietary advice, vitamins, herbs, and other natural substances. Mary is a full-time pharmacist who also helps leaders in healthcare suffering with anxiety and depression integrate the best parts of traditional and alternative medicine. On today's podcast, Dr. Ted and Mary take on the advantages of paying out-of-pocket for alternative therapies. Do you base your healthcare decisions on whether or not the treatment is covered on your insurance? If the answer is yes, this could be costing you more in the long run. Listen to find out why. Americans spend $28.3 billion, $32.2 billion for adults, and $1.9 billion for children out-of-pocket on complementary health approaches, according to a nationwide survey from the NIH. These approaches include a group of diverse medical and healthcare systems, practices, and products. This amount represents 9.2% of all out-of-pocket spending by Americans on healthcare and 1.1% of total healthcare spending. So people are spending some money on alternative therapies. Right. I spend money on alternative therapies, Ted. Do you spend money on alternative therapies? Yep, that's that's all we spend on healthcare. Most, I mean, really, I mean, our obviously our kids. You know, we see our kids see primary care doctor. Of course, yeah, you know, we yeah you know, we do the the basics yeah. that stuff, and but yeah, everything else is out of pocket. Do you do your kids see you as an alternative practitioner, or do you hire another alternative practitioner for your kids? Uh, for the alternative therapies, they see me. Yeah, yeah. So if you had to pay you, you would probably spend, maybe you would spend more than I do. I spend a lot of money on alternative, quote unquote, alternative care, things to get well. Is this a competition? No, (laughs) no. But I just think it's interesting that you're in that space and I'm in the traditional medical space. Right. And I always wonder, like, because you're in that space, if you would spend more on alternative things than I do. And really, I think, though, it comes down to what your problem is. Exactly. Everybody is different in what their needs are. Exactly. Exactly. And there are advantages. I find many advantages. And I've been paying out of pocket. Like, I've been paying out of pocket since my first pregnancy. So back in, we're going way back (laughs) with my first pregnancy, I thought chiropractic would be a great idea, right? Because you're pregnant and then your weight is shifting. So your spine is shifting. And somehow I intuitively knew that this was a good idea. Oh, yeah. It takes pressure off the lower back when you're having pain. So way back when, chiropractic wasn't covered. Now it is. But we're going way back. It was practically paying for witchcraft. 
So I paid out of pocket for my chiropractor. Yeah. Because it made sense to me. And at that time, that was considered alternative, right? Right. Because it wasn't covered. And it was um, something that was not... It was something that that most pregnant women didn't do. They didn't see a chiropractor. Well, up until recently... If you had to, if you you were self-employed and you had to pay for your own health care, maternity wasn't covered. You couldn't You're buy. Kidding. You couldn't like for both of my kids. You know, Evan was born in 2006, Dean in 2011. We couldn't purchase maternity coverage what? on a small business. I had no idea. Yeah, yeah. It was only offered for employer plans. Uh, <laughs> yeah, seems so discriminatory. Right. In that case, I would think like a midwife would be the way to go. I and whereas I had to pay extra for my midwife. Yeah, because she wasn't quote unquote covered as much, mm-hmm. even though I had my kids in the hospital. But so, what did you guys do then? Did you so, you had a bunch of money saved for labor and delivery? No, just we paid over the years to okay and, installments. Well, exactly, and. <laughs> You know, to make things worse, you know, we had to do a C-section for Evan. Oh, that's... So then, yeah. you know, and then our none of the doctors in our area would do a VBAC. So mm. we had to do a cesarean for our younger son, too. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. So luckily with him, we had more of a plan and we were able to negotiate with the hospital. And instead of what would normally be... Say sixteen, eighteen thousand dollars for a you know whole cesarean package. You know through the hospital, we prepaid for four thousand. What? Yes. Oh, I bet people don't don't even know if that that's a thing. Is that right. still a thing to prepay for something? Well, it's most of the time you don't have that forewarning. You know when you're this trying is to get true. with the pregnancy, you do. You do, yes. But now since. With the changes in healthcare with Obamacare, they made it so that maternity had to be covered, which was I think just, that's such a great thing. Exactly. Oh my goodness, a lot of good things came out of that, and that's one of them. And I think for my third, who's twenty six now, I had to go outside the system to get a midwife, so it cost me so much more money. And I remember when she turned two, she was finally paid off. <laughs> it's like I've I've paid to have you be born. Yeah, the things that we do. Right. And the name of wellness. All right, advantages. So let's go into some other advantages. We found great personal advantages to paying. Right. You know, I mean, I like to say to a lot of people that a big advantage advantage is compliance. That if you have to pay for it out of pocket, you're going to take it a lot more seriously. That's just human nature, is it right. not? Yeah. Yeah, so just like... People, a lot of times people, in order to stay regimented on their exercise, they have to join a gym because they're paying for it. So they're going to get use out of it. Yes. So the same thing would apply. Right. Yeah, that makes sense. If you pay for it, you're more likely to use it. You don't want to waste your own money. Right. Because a lot of people think, well, it's covered by my insurance. It's free. It's not free. No. But that's what they think. And, uh, oh, so that reminds me of a previous job that I had where... Speaking of free, where we were giving away antibiotics for free. And I had such a problem with that because I always thought that made the antibiotics seem like they had no value. Mm-hmm. These these are just so worthless that we're giving them for free. 
Whereas I think if you have to pay even a little bit, like even if it was a $4 copay, a $2 copay, and some of the health insurance plans are like a dollar, at least it's something that you're putting out there that attaches some sort of significance in your own mind to it and importance and value. Do you think that made it a difference with patients that were taking their course of antibiotics, though? No, I think people didn't take it at really? all because it's free. Yeah, I don't think I don't think it made any difference with that. I don't even think it necessarily built the kind of goodwill that they were hoping for. Yeah, all it did, I think, was increase use of antibiotics, which right. causes problems long term on antibiotic antibiotic resistant bugs, and kind of cheapened what I do. What I do is it, it, it can be free. I mean, it's nothing. It could be free. What, do I, what am I doing? I'm slapping a label. That's what people think. It's not what I'm doing. Right. Slapping a label on a bottle that's so worthless. It is, it's free to you. Right. Yeah. All you got to do is count a couple pills, make right. sure you have the label, slap it on, and give it to them. Yes. I, so I thought it was a poor strategy long term. Well, but it goes to antibiotics are given out like candy these days. Well, they, they truly are. In my case, it was free candy. Right. And like we said before, we really, you know, we are paying for things. Yeah. Whether we think we are or not, we are paying. But there is something about like writing that check in the moment that makes you think like, okay, I'm getting something out of this. And I need to take this seriously. Oh, that's another good point. Yeah. Take it seriously. Right. People weren't taking their whatever infection they had seriously enough if it's free. Yeah. You should take your, your health very seriously. Mm-hmm. It shouldn't, de- you know, incapacitate you with like the direness of it, but it should have some importance. Right. Okay. Let's see. What's another advantage? Well, going back to what, what why we both use natural medicine mm-hmm. therapies, like we talked about with the kids, is it gives you the freedom to choose what you want and what you need. Yes. For optimally for your health care. Freedom to choose. Whereas if your mindset is, I can only partake of that which is covered, then it's limiting. And and some, I mean, if you can't afford it, then then right. there's a different approach. I would say still, still, even if you can't like afford to pay out of pocket for something that you want, yeah, I would still approach that which is covered as something that you've still chosen, just to kind of get that empowerment in there. But I really have liked that, that my mindset was always, since my kids were born, there are going to be things that I want that I'm probably going to have to pay for because the system doesn't think they're as valuable as I know they are. Right. So then I'm going to live my life accordingly. I'm going to choose how I live my life based on that. Like I always say, we spend our money on food, medicine, and education Yeah. in that order, not houses and cars, which again, no... Um, judgment on anybody else, but I, I started to think about what I value and freedom of choice is one of those things. Yeah. I like having freedom of choice. Yeah. It's nice to be able to put together your own plan for what I find valuable and what I'm doing research on mm-hmm. to to seek out the right professionals for me. And it can even be in the conventional realm too where you want to you want to seek out well just like you said you were going out of network for your exactly because you felt that was the best Mm -hmm. person for you Mm -hmm. and for delivering your child right so within the system right 
Yeah. It's just that the hospital that was covered didn't have midwives at that time. So it wasn't that midwives or somebody that only came into the home. But yeah, yeah. So you can still pay out of pocket within the system. Right. Like right now I pay dental, my dentist mm-hmm. out of pocket. I pay my eye doctor out of pocket. Right. That's very much in the system. Because, I mean, definitely if you're paying for your own insurance, the, oh, dental, I'm so careful. the dental and the vision never pays for itself when you're adding on those coverages. Right. Right. So I have to think about it totally differently now that I'm paying everything out of pocket and then I look at it kind of as a whole and then I look at it as part of just my budget. I look at it differently, but I would have it no other way. Yeah, you just said you would have, you could seek out the best. Right. That is so true. Like when my daughter had vision problems and there was no nothing you can do, but then I looked into vision therapy, yeah, which is so like it was, at that time, 20 some years ago was like really out there. So I looked really far and very wide. There was at one point I was looking at a eye doctor in Ireland. Oh, so wow. I had to, I know I'm like, okay, so now we're buying a flight and we're getting passports and we're doing all this. And then the more I looked and the more I got referrals, then ultimately I found somebody two hours away in Columbus and then ultimately someone in my own backyard. But it was it was really good, I think, for me to have that mindset that I have decided that this is important, this treatment versus just glasses for the rest of her life, like learning that eyes are connected to the brain and how she mm-hmm. thinks and how she'll develop. I wanted to take a different approach, and then I wanted to see who's who's the best at it. Well, yeah. The Ireland doctor was probably not attainable. That was not going to happen. Right. But it was still good to know who's out there doing what and I think there's more and more of that now, especially with this biohacking craze and longevity and mm-hmm. all these fancy scans that people are doing. Yeah, that are so far ahead te- technologically, and insurance hasn't caught up yet. People are just paying out of pocket for that stuff. Definitely sure there. So, when we prioritize using the natural therapies mm-hmm. to help people get healthier and stay healthier then you also reduce your risks for chronic diseases, which then in the long term saves you more money. Right. And I've taught I've taught my kids that too. Pay a little bit now so you don't have to pay a lot later. Right. So put the money in while they're young, teach them the good habits, buy the alternative medicine so that they won't have to pay for chronic disease later. And we see right. what chronic disease costs. Yeah. Not only financially, but in our quality of living. Yes. Yes. So to think of it that way, to think of it, it's kind of like an investment in that yeah. way, investing in yourself. In your health, yeah. And reducing your burden financially down the road. Yeah, because... And, and as insurance is changing, I've seen just over the past four years, people's premiums are going up, their deductibles are going up, what's covered is going down, and it's been kind of slow over years but then the past couple years it's it's a large increase for people okay anyway so then i think my strategy that i started holds my son 30 years he's 30 30 years ago was a sound one and i and i have to remind them like when you were little that was i told you guys when you're this age your health insurance is going to be so expensive so you better keep yourself 
as healthy as you possibly can. Because in so doing, like I am so healthy now, I had the, I have the freedom to not get a traditional job because I don't quote unquote need the health insurance to cover my pre-existing conditions because I had this approach since I was 20 to stay well. So now I can buy into a plan with a high deductible, knowing full well that's the best option for me. Speaking right. of freedom, that was my long-term plan anyway, oh, yeah. for freedom. And what did you guys do? You you're being you're self-employed, so you would right. have had to do the same thing. Yeah. But you probably didn't worry you at all because you know how to prevent disease. Well for the most part. Yeah, but it's yeah, it's about when you look at that insurance, it's you know, when you have a high deductible, mm-hmm. um, you're going to be able to whether you look at when you look at high deductible plans versus low deductible yeah. plans and look at all of the costs involved. You know, the low deductible plan, obviously, you you have a much higher premium, monthly premium to pay. True. Which costs a lot more money up front. True. And, you know, so the low, so the high deductible plan, you have less of a monthly premium. Mm-hmm. But both of them, you have other costs involved, too. So, even, you know, so. Give us an example. So, like, for instance, um, I've, I've compared, lots of times I've compared the high versus the low deductible plans. And when you, you know, to reach your deductible and your total out of pocket, right? it's almost always cheaper, even if you're using a lot of health care, to do the high deductible plan. Really? Yeah. You've a lot of times the, the, low ducti- the low deductible plans, you still have to, you still have co-pays and, you know, say 25, 30% co-pays and things like that. True. Where... Your total out of pocket, if you use, if you're totally using and abusing your insurance plan, you're still, you're always going to pay more for those low deductible plans. That's a good habit for people to get into when they think about health insurance. Right. To really simply do the math. Exactly. Wow. That's good. The numbers, um, the numbers don't lie. Yeah. Let me see. Oh, this is another example. For things that I've done, yeah, of things that I've done, money I've spent, right? <laughs> and I, you know, just because sometimes uh, you're forced into it. Like with my son, and he was kept getting scarlet fever and then became allergic to the antibiotics. And so ultimately, the doctor said if he gets scarlet fever one more time, then he's in the hospital and having a a stronger antibiotic right. that, that could potentially lead to things down the road that I didn't want him to have. So I was kind of like, wow, I'm at an interesting point here. If I go down this road versus do I seek out something that could help with this fact that the kid kept getting scarlet fever? Right. Figure out the cause. Yes. And that's what I decided to do for his you know, to prevent long-term suffering for him and potentially like, okay, so what if he does get it again and he's allergic to yet another antibiotic or the one that they think he wouldn't be allergic to chemically, but he is, or he gets some sort of side effect. And I think, you know, looking back, that was, you know, a watershed moment. It really did make me view alternative medicine in a different way because that to me, being being traditionally trained, there's nothing that can really do that. But there was. Right. And I was kind of forced into it. But I think you have patients, though, that come to you because they're kind of 
quote unquote, at the end of their rope, like I was like, my goodness, now what am I going to do? Right. Oh, definitely. And, you know, everybody, everybody's different as far as where the approach needs to lead. Mm. I mean, so a fascinating example of a patient. um, I saw him probably 15, 16 years ago, and he was in his mid 50s, came into the office with debilitating osteoarthritis in both knees. Oh, wow. He And only 50. Mid 50s. And he was a roofing contractor. Oh, boy. So, uh, and he had tried, that was the time when the tox, COX-2 inhibitor drugs were all the rage. Yes, I remember that. You know, that helped with pain, but also caused more heart disease. Yes. Uh, and none of those drugs were even touching his knee pain. Wow. And I was his last ditch effort before he had to have bilateral knee replacement at 55, which, of course, that's young and was setting himself up to probably have to have those replaced at some point in time. That's true. And so he was a patient that I could only do so many things with it. You know, he wasn't about to take any supplements, but I... Oh, he wasn't? No, he didn't really want to take any supplements. But he hired you. But he hired me. Okay. And, but I was able to talk him into making a couple of diet changes. Just a couple. Yeah. So he he had to get rid of wheat and dairy products. Oh, man. I bet you it made a huge difference. He came back a month later and he said, my pain's all gone. And then he said, no, no wait, I lied. About a week ago, I had a sandwich, and I had the pain for a couple of days, but it's gone again. Very interesting. Yeah. And so this, I've seen, you know, I follow the family for, you know, ever since then. He still never had to get the knee replacements, and as long as he keeps avoiding wheat, his knee pain is minimal. That's, that's like, it's incredible. It was a simple, right? a simple fix. Right. Most of the time, it's not that simple and easy, but right. But that's what makes you know stories like that yes, pretty neat to we, see. Yes, that's why we we tell those stories. Right. Yes, I mean the the fix for my son was quote unquote simple, but it's you know something that you know I wouldn't necessarily go into. But yeah, I think it, it's great that he found you. Yeah, and kind of a miracle in a way that he found you, and it was easy. Mm-hmm. Hmm. I like that. I like that story. It's yeah. a good story. Um, oh, yeah. So if you get the right insurance, which I have the right insurance, and then I have my handy dandy HSA account, which is so great because it will cover a lot of things. Right. I don't know if it covers naturopathy. You know, I don't think that's on the list of things that will cover. Faith healing is. Yeah. So Acupuncture. So most of the time I find that the HSAs will cover naturopathic they will yeah consults and the supplements maybe i need to look into that yeah and there's a lot of times where we'll have to actually you know write a letter of necessity medical necessity you know really not as much with the hsas the health savings accounts but more of the fsas because those are typically paid for by the employer okay so tell us the difference yeah with those so and i'm blanking now on what FSA actually, you know, the... I can never remember that right, acronym. Right. I've never yeah. had one. HSA is a health savings account. That you put into, and right. only you, your employer does not contribute to sometimes, it. Sometimes they will contribute. Oh, yes, that's true. Sometimes they will. But it's yours, and then if you leave your job, you take that. Exactly. With you, that's what and I And if did. you I don't... Mine. Yeah, so you're putting in pre-tax money. Correct. So that's a, a tax advantage. Yes, and I should say that. So when, 
if you don't use that money over time, once you retire, it changes into an IRA. So then you can use that money for any reasons, you know, after you're 65, you know, for whatever you need to, not not just health related. Oh, that's interesting. I don't think I knew that. I did know that it doesn't, you don't lose it if you don't use it. Right. Thank goodness. Right. Because I wanted mine to accumulate. So when I left my job, I had a nice chunk of change in there for all my alternative people. So an FSA is? A flexible spending account. Okay. And so flexible spending accounts are accounts that typically your employer is going to put money into this account for you to use uh, for your own healthcare needs. So deductibles and alternative medicine also? It's a little more limited, isn't it? It's more limited. Uh, With the FSAs, I find that there's definitely more of a chance that I'll have to write a letter of medical necessity for people's visits and supplements to be covered. But you but you've still seen them covered. Yeah. That's yeah. Amazing. But you know, I mean, so it's nice that employers do that because then they it gives you a lot more choice on yes. what to use, but also if you don't use it by the end of the year, you lose it. That's a big difference. Yeah. So so far the advantages are being really in touch, putting value on something that you pay for, freedom of choice, And we also covered know what an HSA and FSA is. If that's available to you through your employer or an HSA, you can put it in even if you're self-employed and do the math when it comes to deductibles. Exactly. Okay. So that covers um, the, you know, how to kind of play the insurance game if you're someone who wants to take advantage of all that alternative therapies can offer. And then I would like to know uh, what it's like for you. Well, first explain why you practice outside of the insurance companies and then what it's like for you as a practitioner. Yeah. So as a naturopathic doctor here in Ohio, I don't even have a choice. There are only, I think, 12 states that license naturopathic doctors in a way that insurance come will cover us automatically. automatically. Like if you were well, if you're practicing a few states over, it would be like a regular PCP primary right. care. You'd be that. Yeah, and especially in Oregon and Washington, coverage is basically the same. The only problem is that naturopathic doctors are going to spend a lot more time with their patients and probably get still the same reimbursement. Okay, that's a big so, disadvantage. I would right. say. Okay. Um, so. I've always practiced in Ohio, so I've never actually even mm-hmm. had the opportunity to be able to accept insurance. And to practice within that part of the system. Right. And just from what I've seen with other doctors, whether it's naturopathic doctors or other specialties, I don't know that I would want to. I mean, I actually have a colleague. She was in medical school with me. She was a, um, she was a counselor in Florida. And she, I mean, I don't know exactly her age, but I'm betting she was in her 50s and quit her counseling career because the insurance reimbursement kept going down and down and down. Wow. And so she didn't feel like she could make a living. And so she, in her 50s, closed down her practice and went back to medical school to become a naturopathic doctor and an acupuncturist. Wow. Very interesting. Yeah. But you know, just with other other colleagues too, they they when you're in the system that allows for you to get that free and easy rotation of new patients. 
Right. Because Be- you don't have to do any marketing. Because the system drives the patients to you. Right. But in your case, you've always had to do your own educating, marketing, being effective storytelling, right. what it is you do. Now, are people confused? Because I'm sure your staff gets that call. Right. Do you take insurance? Do you take Medicare? Why? I don't understand. Yeah. And so I would say from the calls that I hear, mm-hmm. you know, like if I'm doing some paperwork and I hear them on the phone, mm-hmm. I would say probably most of the time it sounds like that if they ask if insurance is cov- you know, covers it, uh, they'll say that, you know, naturopathic medicine isn't covered in Ohio mm-hmm. at this point. So, you know, we can't, you know, we can't accept your insurance. And most of the time they expect that. I th- they're, they're, I, yes. you know, most of the time, it's not a surprise. They're asking just because they're doing their due diligence, as they should. But, yes. you know, because if it can be paid for with their insurance, why not? Right. But they're also already looking at this is something of benefit to me and my health. Mm-hmm. And so they're they're okay with paying for it out of pocket. Right. And I think that shift has happened more so in the past like 10 years. Don't you, when you say like 10 years ago, people might have fought it a little bit or been a little more disgruntled about it. I think the, I've seen the acceptance in yeah. alternative medicine, which I think many things are driving why it's more mainstream. Many things. Yeah. It's I mean, it's, it. it's hard to for me to see because I'm only seeing that side of the side of it. True. Where, and I see both sides. Where you yeah. do get to see both mm-hmm. sides. You get to see people coming in the pharmacy that yeah. maybe are more natural medicine minded, but they're still going to get their prescription mm-hmm. uh, versus the people that wouldn't pay for anything out of pocket. Right. Right. That's true. I have yeah. I have seen both. Oh, we can't possibly go to our CTA already. What else can we talk about? <laughs> oh, the one point about pay now or pay later. I think that is just a point that bears just driving home a little bit more that this notion that you're somehow going to get out without ever paying, right? Right. (laughs) It's one of those big myths like the magic pill or the quick fix that we talked about with chronic illness. Yeah. You're always going to have to pay, right? Right. If it's money, you pay now or you pay later if you allow yourself to get sick. So in my opinion, it's always been Pay a little bit now for somebody who really understands the foundation of wellness. Pay for that person's expertise and naturopath in that sense so that I can stay well later. And and also you pay in suffering. We talked about that. You pay in time. Definitely. Like people pay. I know people that have five doctors and... You know, of course, everyone has a copay and then everyone has a prescription and they have copays. And they spend their whole week going from doctor to doctor to doctor. Yes. And I don't think we think about that very much about what it costs us in life energy and time. Right. right. Just for the fight. Yeah. The fight to stay well. Right. It can be a fight. Yeah. And, and I, it's, not, it's worth fighting for, but fight a good fight. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I find I do have a certain group of people that will come to my practice and they've spent so much money everywhere else that they get mad that I'm not just giving it for free too. Oh, that's such a great point. Yeah. It's because they've, they've shelled all this money you know, on alternative out, therapies on, on alternative or conventional therapies, both. Yeah. But then 
they're like, well, I can't afford to pay anymore, but they want me to get them better. And I don't know how to make that happen with, with, I mean, I have to, I have to pay for my time and my family and my overhead with the office and staff and everything. Which I think is so interesting because traditional doctors never have to sit in an appointment or feel like they have to justify their services in existence. Right. But you do. Yeah. Even though... A lot of times people, you know, if if you have to give a surgery or any big procedure, you usually have a pretty hefty oh, deductible or copay. Y- yes. And I loved your point about the people, there is a certain group of people that spend a lot of money on alternative therapy. And some of it can be something they found on Instagram or somebody recommended. So they're buying supplements or they're hiring. This happens in Ohio. We hate to say it. But they're hiring a naturopath because there's no licensure here. They could have they could have gotten their degree not from a medical school like you did, but an online program. Well, I already hired a naturopath. See, that would happen to me in the pharmacy rarely because it's not like I spend a whole lot of time talking about alternative medicine. But the people that maybe brought it up to me, they'll say, "Well, I already I already hired a naturopath." Oh, and I know the names and I know who's licensed. I said, "Who did you hire?" And they'll give me a name and I know full well. And I don't have time to launch into that. Right. But I do think it, it it creates like another challenge for you that other doctors don't have to worry about. They never have to worry. Did someone go to an unlicensed MD or an unlicensed right, D? Right. Oh, and now I have to pay the price for the bad reputation. Right. Yeah. But you do. Yeah. I mean, we'll have people, you know, in the area that, you know, I went to, did my four years of undergrad, then went to a four-year medical school. Yep. And... Have all the bills and the the <laughs> school loans it. to still prove it, <laughs> yeah. and you'll have somebody else down the street that took a couple of online courses, maybe paid two or three thousand dollars out of pocket mm-hmm. for a six month online course, and they're calling themselves a naturopathic doctor. Yes, they are. Yeah, and it's on all their marketing and it's on their website. And how on earth are people supposed to know? So I yeah. think we should. While while the conversation led us there, if you're listening in the state of Ohio and you want to make sure you hire a qualified naturopath, what can somebody do after they've Googled naturopathic doctor in Ohio and see, my goodness, there's somebody two blocks away and their fees are really reasonable, but they may not have had the education or the... Um, the proper credentials. Right, and training. And training. So yeah, how, I mean, what can the, what can your average person do? So there's two different places you can go online to make sure you're seeking out a licensable naturopathic doctor who went through a four-year medical school. Mm-hmm. And just, you know, to expand on that a little bit more, our medical schools are in a lot in the definitely the first two years are very similar to a conventional medical school. We're doing all the same anatomy, physiology, mm-hmm. biochemistry, all of that. The third and fourth year, we're still we're still doing conventional medical diagnosis and learning some pharmacology, but we're also our extent of our treatment is geared towards natural medicine therapies. Um, Good point. Yeah, but anyhow, so, we have uh, the American Association of Naturopathic Physicians, which uh, their website is naturopathic.org, and we'll put that in the description mm-hmm. of this video. And that's 
Anybody? That should be your first stop. Right. Before the internet. Right. <laughs> I mean, so, that is on the internet, but before you do a big Google search, like, right. narrow the search with the qualified people. Right. It's and a smart thing not, to do. not everybody that's a naturopathic doctor is going to be a member of the American Association of Naturopathic Physicians. Okay, this is a good point. I didn't know yeah. that. And we also, though, have each state has a state naturopathic association, oh, too. Oh, okay. So Ohio has one. Right. So uh, it's the Ohio Naturopathic Doctors Association, which is OHND. Org, and we'll put that on in the mm-hmm. description, too, for people to look. And so between the two, you can find most all naturopathic doctors that are in the state. And, and, and more importantly, someone without the credentials can't join these organizations. Exactly. They, they do their due diligence. So right. th- that's an easy thing to do. Right. And then you can find someone that is maybe geographically desirable. Mm-hmm. Although virtual, do you do virtual visits? I don't do a lot, but we're bringing in a new doctor that that we'll be doing a lot of virtual visits, you know, now as she's working on moving to Ohio to start, you know, more in, you know, in office practice. So that it can be an option for people yeah. that say have found a list and they really liked you and they wanted to hire you, but it's a far drive. Right. Then you can do virtual visits. Yeah. And I do have patients that'll drive two or three hours to come see me. I used to do that. Yeah. I, mean, I used to drive for what it felt in Christ. My husband's like, can't you find someone close? There's one in the state. There's one Feldenkrais practitioner in the state. Yeah. This is this is where he lives. This is where we must go. If you but feel again, like you're getting that benefit yes, and you're getting the results, then it's hard to do anything else. Exactly. I was getting the benefits. I was getting amazing results. Was I paying out of pocket? Absolutely. Was I driving a long time and it was taking my time, but what I was getting in return for my health and wellness and life energy, so worth it. Right. And that's what it really comes down to is doing, you know, you know, this whole video, we're talking about paying out of pocket for your alternative medical therapies. And it really comes down to making sure that you're doing what's going to get you the healthiest and give you the best life. Exactly. That's a great note to end on because it is all about you. Right. Thank you for joining us for this podcast. Mary and Dr. Ted want to remind you to use the internet wisely and to always be sure to consult with your medical provider with any questions or concerns that you may have as you work towards your wellness goals. We look forward to sharing more content with you soon. Thanks for listening.